Welcome to Mastery Money, the educator's edition, where we will talk about the latest in financial literacy education. I'm Garth Sharif, a small business owner and financial literacy volunteer for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. CPA Canada provides no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This episode is part of our podcast focusing on helping Ontario small businesses get through the pandemic. Our guest will help us navigate through this new world, as well as provide insight on what the future may look like, including support and resources for small business owners. CPA Canada's sponsor for this Ontario small business series is the Government of Ontario. Their support helps make this event possible. You can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. If you have any questions, you can get in touch with us at financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. Today, on December 1st, 2020, we are lucky to be joined by Michael Espinoza, Senior Manager at Grant Thornton. Michael is here today to walk us through everything a small business owner should know about taxes during these unpredictable times, especially since tax season will be here before we know it. Welcome, Michael, to Mastering Money. Thanks, Garth. Thanks for having me here. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. And, and this is a topic that I've been dealing with for the last, I mean, it feels like a century, but it's been, I guess, the last few months since the pandemic started. And I really hope I can help out small business owners and whatever questions they might have. That's great to hear, Michael. And one of the questions I, I just want to ask you, and this may be asked of you by your friends and family, and I, our listeners can't see what I'm seeing because we're on a video call, but I'm seeing behind you some hold codes and looks like a tax structure. And Some of us get intimidated by tax and some of us embrace the tax in all of us. How did you find your interest in taxation and, and helping businesses work through their corporate tax challenges? Well, I went to university and I, I studied business. And to be perfectly honest, I think at the time I, I wasn't really thinking about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was just kind of, mm, can I get a job somewhere? And, you know, some accounting firms came around and I got to know some people and they were all really great. And then I applied and, and you know, got a job. So that's kind of, you know, it wasn't like my family was doing this or anything like that. So it was just kind of a random thing. And, and I really enjoy it now. That's great to hear, Michael. And we're really happy to have you because tax and the programs that we're going to talk about are really important to small business owners. And there's a lot of navigating these programs and the upcoming taxation year. So let's get into what's important for us maybe right now for a lot of small business owners, which are these government programs that are specific to COVID-19. And if you could provide us your insight on these programs that are helpful for small business owners? I think the biggest program is probably the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. So that's for short form is SUS, Q's, choose however you decide to say it. And this program basically provides employers with a subsidy for the remuneration or, or the pay for their employees. Now the rules have changed quite a bit since this was first launched. So this first started back in March and here we are now at December 1st and Basically, over time, there have been a lot of changes because the public, businesses, small businesses, 
um, were, were asking for changes. They were saying this isn't really working for us or it's not helping us the way we need it or we just aren't qualifying when you know we think we should be qualifying. So over the last, what is it, nine months or so, the government has been adapting and changing these rules and they even just extended the program just yesterday. So, I mean, the program is it's quite complicated if you're not familiar, especially if you're not familiar with tax because the rules are written into the Income Tax Act, the Canadian tax code. So, you know, at Grant Thornton, we've been helping a lot of our clients navigate through all these rules. And I guess what I can say is if you are having trouble with these rules, reach out to your accountant, reach out to your lawyer, reach out to someone and get the help because this is this is a lot of help, right? It's a lot of money for small businesses that are struggling and for their employees. That's great advice, Michael, because this is it is complicated and it's it is hard for a small business owner maybe just to go into it and, and just see what they need to do. So that would be the first step maybe to work around and, and find somebody that they can connect with to begin the process of looking into whether the, they qualify. What has been the change to this particular uh, program that you mentioned? Yeah, that's a great question, Garth. So the program, maybe just a bit of background first, the program basically runs in four week periods. So 28 day periods. And you would basically qualify if you have a decrease in revenue when you're comparing, it's called the current reference period to a prior reference period. So I'm not gonna go into the detail on that, but basically if you're seeing a year over year decrease in a certain month, so let's say in the month of November, then for the qualifying period for that 28 day period that refers to the month of November, versus November 2019, then you would qualify for the subsidy. And so the subsidy varies. It, it depends on how significant the decrease in your revenue is from the prior to the current year, or if you're using a different prior reference period from that different prior reference period to the current year. But the change that happened yesterday was they basically extended it for three more periods. So three more 28 day periods. So Right now, it's essentially extended until March 13th. Now, the government did say that they'll, they can extend it till June 2021. So they could still add more periods up to June 2021 without having to basically, you know, go back to Parliament and ask for to make legislative changes. But these three additional periods, uh, what we know about them so far is that the maximum subsidy available for employers is 75 percent prior to these three new periods. And so I should mention the three new periods start December 20th. So we have period 11, which is December 20th to Jan 16th, period 12, which is Jan 17th to February 13th, and period 13, which is Feb 14, Valentine's Day to uh, March 13th. So prior to these three periods, the maximum was actually at 65%. So what the government's done is essentially they're saying, well, we know businesses are going to struggle. We're gonna increase that maximum to 75% from the 65% maximum that we currently have right now in this period. That's good to know. And just, I'm going to ask some very basic questions of you because I ask these questions as someone who's very interested in the answers. So when we say 75%, that's 75% of the salaries, the gross salaries of the employees that, that you have? Yeah, that's a great question too, Garth. The 75%, there's actually a maximum amount. So that maximum is $1,129 basically. So we're always looking at a base of $1,129 per week. And it's a 75% or whatever percentage applies because it's a maximum 75%, right? It actually might be lower. But whatever the, the rate is that applies to your business, it's that rate multiplied by 
1129 per week per employee. So you can do the quick math and just say, I have this many employees. If you're paying them less than 1129, then it's 75% of what you're paying them. But if you're paying them that amount or more, then it's going to be 75% of that 1129. What would you say to small business owners? If, I, I want to put this as a top three, but I mean, whatever it makes sense. What would they need to get ready for them to begin the application? So they're going to reach out to a tax professional or someone who can help them navigate through the application process. But just to prepare themselves, they think maybe I can get in front of this and do some work. What, what would you su- suggest that they prepare in advance? Well, I mean, I guess the first thing would be you want to know if you qualify. So in order to figure out if you qualify, you need to know what your revenue numbers are. So you need to make sure that your books are in order. And because this is based on revenues generally on a a monthly basis, you need to figure out what were my revenues for the month. And, And it is calendar months. So basically, if I'm an employer, what I'm doing is I'm... This always depends on the size, right? Because some larger businesses, they can, you know, click a button and they get those numbers. Whereas some small businesses, they have to go through receipts. They have to potentially call the bookkeeper and have them figure out what the numbers are. But at the end of the day, you want to have the revenue numbers for the relevant months. So just as an example, if I'm doing this for, I mean, right now we're, we're sitting in period 10, right? It's beginning of December. It's right in the middle of period 10. And so I'm basing this on my December 2020 revenues versus my December 2019 revenues. I need to know those monthly revenues for those two months. Once you have that, then you can say, okay, I I qualify. I know that I qualify and here's what the percentage is that I qualify. And the CRE is great that they provided um, a calculator on the website. So really what you need is is those revenue numbers from your books and then you just kind of pop them into the calculator and it starts spitting out some numbers for you, you know, based on other factors that are required. You also need payroll numbers. So obviously you need to know how much can you get based on how much are you paying everyone. And once you have that information, then you'll, you know, you can figure out what the actual subsidy is going to be. Oh, so that's great to hear that that CRA calculator might be something you want to take a look. It's a first question. Do you qualify? It's an important one. And Again, I'm thinking about myself and others and maybe thinking for other small businesses, because if you're applying for it, you're also maybe thinking about your cash flow. So the next thing I might think of is when would I expect to hear back from one if I'm approved and also when would I be receiving the funds from the program? How long it takes to actually get the money depends on when you apply and how you apply. So when I say when you apply, some of our clients, for example, they've been applying every qualifying period. end of the qualifying period comes and they say we're going to submit because we want the money we want the money right away but others are saying you know what maybe it makes more sense for us to to wait and file for several periods and then we do the the claim all at the end of let's say now at the end of period 10 for the first 10 periods or or for the last five periods whatever they qualify for so once you actually go in and put the claim through then generally the money comes pretty quickly it does depend on several factors. So are you doing this via the internet? So are you, are you filing through my business account, CRA's my business account, or is your accountant filing through represent a client? And do you have direct deposit? If you're using online and your answer to the question, I have direct deposit is yes, then it's going to come a lot more quickly than if you don't, and you're going to be receiving a check in the mail. So we always advise our clients to make sure that they do register for direct deposit because the money comes a bit quicker and we know how important the cash flow is right now to our clients. 
That's fantastic advice, Dan. Part of this might be also to understand your cash flow needs. So if you, you know, do you need the cash now for your employees or would you like to get paid out at a later date to manage your cash? So that's that's important. So I'm writing a lot of notes here. I mean, the, the CRA calculator, the qualification, uh, knowing your payroll. The other question I guess somebody would ask, like myself, what are other programs that are out there? And if there have been any developments in those programs that may have been out there for a little bit, and if there's any other new programs that are available? Yeah, so one that's been out for a while is the CIBA, so not the KIBA, the CIBA. That's the Canada Emergency Business Account. And this is basically $40,000 that's available to nonprofits and businesses. And so this program has changed also. It didn't change recently with the fall economic statement, but there were changes previously announced and we're sort of still sort of waiting for those changes. So the $40,000 loan is basically an interest-free loan. And a portion of it, up to 25%, up to $10,000, is forgivable as long as it gets repaid by December 31st, 2022. So a business would go to its financial institution. And there are other requirements, including you need to have an account with a financial institution. So you go to your financial institution, you basically apply through them, and then they provide you with the loan. And... On top of that, the recent announcement was that they, the government has said they're going to offer an additional $20,000 for businesses that have been affected directly by the pandemic. So we don't exactly know what this means, but we do know that there's going to be an, an attestation required. Uh, so for example, the business owner is going to have to go and, and the same way they would apply for the SIBA loan, the original 40K, they would go through the, the bank's portal and they would apply for the additional 20K. But in this case, we know that there's going to be some sort of attestation to say my business was negatively affected by the pandemic. And so, you know, I qualify for this additional 20K. Of that additional 20K, half of it is forgivable, the same thing as long as it's repaid by December 31st, 2022. And it's also interest-free. So a total of 60K, basically, that's available for businesses as a loan. So is that 20000 the additional 20000 that is part of the SIBA program, then it's just an additional amount for those that you said are directly affected by the pandemic for those businesses directly affected exactly i mean before with the original 40k there was no requirement of that so really any business that met the requirements the qualifications they could have just gone and applied for it and got the money and you know maybe they didn't even need the money but they could have got the money and you know interest free and as long as they repay it the forgivable portion but with the additional amount the government is trying to target businesses that have been affected directly by COVID. So it's a bit more, it's a bit more targeted that way. And you've mentioned this, but I just wanted to just ask it again, the guidance on what it means to be a business directly affected by the pandemic is still, you you might have to make a business case for it. We don't know, like for me, when I hear that, I think restaurants or the service industry, but it could be broader than that, potentially. We don't know yet. We are waiting for the government to actually launch, make the additional 20K available. Because if you go to the website, the last time I checked this morning, it still says $20,000 is coming soon type of thing, right? So we actually don't know what exactly those parameters are. We'll have to wait to see when they're available. But I guess, you know, since we're talking about it, I should also point out that they did extend. They are proposing to extend that deadline. It was originally December 31st, 2020. So the end of this year, the end of this month. And now they're saying they're going to extend it to March 31st, 2021. So it gives business owners a a bit extra time to actually make the application, make sure that they actually qualify and then determine whether or not they actually want to apply. 
I just want to emphasize that part for the additional 20,000 for those businesses directly affected by the pandemic. The deadline originally was December 31st, 2020 to apply, but it's been extended to March 31st, 2021. Right. Yeah. The deadline actually for both was December 31st, 2020. So the original 40K and the additional 20K. And they're saying they're going to extend that out to March 31st, 2021. Both of them, both the 40 and the 20? I believe so. Okay. Good to know. So that's great, uh, Michael. A lot of information here. So that was SEBA. Any other programs that you touch upon in terms of maybe a point of emphasis or any changes to these programs? Yeah, there's the new one. So the new one is the rent subsidy. It's called the SERS, so the Canada Emergency Rent Subsidy. And also the, the second part of it, the lockdown support. So essentially, it's it's a rent sub. Both of them are, are a rent subsidy, but the government gave them two separate names. And this one is there to help with property costs. Now, the government did have a program like this before, the SECRA, which was the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance. And so this one didn't really go well. It was very complicated. I don't want to say it was a mess, but it just it wasn't accepted well. It wasn't taken up really well either. A lot of landlords didn't really choose to apply. So the new program bypasses the landlords and gives it directly to the tenants, essentially. And I say tenants, but I actually it's not just for rental payments. It's also for property that is owned. And it covers mortgage interest, it covers the property tax, and it covers insurance as well. So this is both for businesses that own property and businesses that rent property. And this is new, and this is the SERS. We have SIBA, we have SERB, we have uh, we have a lot. This could be a, a tongue twister at some point with all the, the acronyms. The full name for the program, just for my sake, was... It's the Canada Emergency Rent Subsidy. Canada Emergency Rent Subsidy. Yeah. And the second part of that is the lockdown support. And together, they're really the rent subsidy that the government is making available. So this program basically piggybacks off of a lot of the rules that apply to the SUS or the Qs, the wage subsidy program. You're still looking at what's my decline in revenues. Basically, all the rules still apply for the revenue drop. And what you basically get is the SERS portion, so the, the rent subsidy portion, which again, that applies not just to rented property, but to owned property, that will be up to 65% based on your level of revenue decline for your business. And then the lockdown support, that is 25%. And this is 25%, which is provided to businesses that are going through the term they use is public health restriction. And basically, if your business is forced to shut down, the easiest example would be a restaurant, and a restaurant basically is no longer allowed to have dine-in. They can only have takeout. Well, now your activity has been eliminated, the dine-in activity, basically. So now you qualify for the lockdown support, assuming you meet other criteria as well. So there are other criteria involved there. And one of those criteria, I think an important one to note is it has to be that public health restriction has to be in place for at least a week in that qualifying period. And if you recall, I mentioned the qualifying periods before, this is also a four week, so a 28 day qualifying period for the SERS and is essentially the same qualifying periods as the SUS, except this one starts uh, at the end of September rather than back in March. I mean, this is great. I mean, it is a lot of programs. So I think a business could feel a little overwhelmed with all of them. So maybe part of this process will be to listen to all of the great insight and just understand, you know, where these might be applicable for your business. With all these programs, and there might be some more you might mention, can you apply for them 
all or do any of them work that you apply for one and you don't have access to another? Yeah, that's a great question. So for the three that I've mentioned, you can apply for all three. You can apply for all three. Now, I don't want to say in every single instance, because especially as a tax accountant, you learn you need to be careful with these, you know, absolutes, right? We don't want to say never. We don't want to say always. But generally speaking, you can apply for the three, the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, the Canada Emergency Rent Subsidy and Lockdown Support, which I'm saying it's all in one. And then the Canada Emergency Business Account, the 40K loan plus the 20K. You should be able to apply for all those three without having to repay another one or something like that. There are other programs available too. In reality, we're not going to have enough time to go through all of them because there's so many federal programs and also provincial programs that are available. But some of those, if you are receiving certain other subsidies, then you won't be able to claim the full amount or you have to repay a portion. So you need to be careful. If you're a small business and you're trying to navigate through all these rules and all all this money available, you need to make sure you pay attention to, do I need to repay something? But do I qualify for this subsidy if I've already received this subsidy? So that's definitely a really good question that all small business owners should pay attention to. This is really great stuff. I mean, listening to your expertise and, and the fact that you know all these SKUs and the SERS and the SERBs and the, there's just a lot and you know these programs. I know at Grant Thornton, there's a resource page for this just to also, there's resources with the CRA as well, but there's a resource for Grant Thornton and we'll have that with the podcast, but a good place just to get an understanding of how these programs all work. But I think you've done a great job just laying out the programs that are, are available. All right, Michael, we've talked about a lot of different programs that are available to help small business owners. Any other programs you'd like to make our listeners aware of? Yeah, Garth. So there's, well, there was the CERB. So that was the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. This was a $2,000 that was basically available to individuals that, let's say, lost their job. It was $500 a week. So you can get it through Service Canada or Canada Revenue Agency. That program ended. And so now the government has three new programs that basically replace the CERB along with employment insurance, which they've changed the rules for employment insurance as well. So for EI, what they've done is they've upped the minimum to $500 a week for those who qualify for EI. And for those who don't qualify, depending on your situation, there's now the CRB, which is the Canada Recovery Benefit, the CRSB, which is the Canada Recovery Sickness Benefit, and the CRCB, which is the Canada Recovery Caregiving Benefit. So a lot more acronyms, a lot more confusion, but basically this is targeted again towards the employees, right? Towards individuals. So, you know, if you're an employer, this may be something that your employees may be interested in if you have to lay them off or, you know, if things aren't going well for your business and you have to lay them off or furlough them. Potentially, this is a program that your employees may be able to take advantage of. However, the government has also made changes to the queues to the wage subsidy program to try to help employers keep any furloughed employees on their payroll. So rather than them going through the EI system and getting paid through the EI system, they pay them through the employer's payroll to keep that connection, to keep that employer-employee connection there. That's great, Michael. I think you deserve some sort of award. I don't know what award I can give you for keeping all of these acronyms in your head. I'm amazed that you have all of these down, like CERBs, Qs, CRSB. I couldn't even write them down. I've already forgot, you know, just all of them. So it's amazing amount of knowledge you have, Michael. And thank you for sharing with us uh, the details of those programs. And we encourage our listeners to do exactly what Michael has suggested to take a look at the programs, have your record keeping up to date. 
and also reach out to experts like Michael for advice on, on what you might qualify for and what to apply for. So we've talked a lot about these programs, Michael, and that's been really great. Our minds might not be to the future. Mine isn't. We might be still here on December 1st, 2020, but the upcoming tax season is around the corner and it might be far off from a lot of business owners' mind and, and planning, but I imagine you would probably recommend that they start thinking about it. So how can businesses better prepare for this upcoming tax season? Yeah, Garth, another great question. I think this tax season is going to be interesting. So we probably all know that in 2020, all the filing deadlines and end payment deadlines actually were extended. So we are not expecting to see that for 2021, at least not yet. The CRA has not made any indication about extending those payment deadlines or filing deadlines. In other words, the same filing deadlines that applied prior to all this pandemic and all the normal years are going to apply for your business or, or for yourself as an individual. So that's one thing. Now, given all these programs that have been happening, I, I think what's been happening is a, a lot of businesses have just sort of been trying to survive, right? They've been trying to get as, as much cash, access as many programs as they can to get the help they need to, to keep their businesses afloat. And there may be some things that were not considered at the time because it wasn't really that relevant at the time when you're trying to you know, worry about your employees, worry about your business and your livelihood. One of those things is reporting. Now, this may be relevant more for larger businesses, but how do you properly report on your financial statements to subsidies or, or any amounts that you would have received from the government? That's an important thing to consider because some amounts would be taxable while other amounts would not necessarily be taxable. And then the question is, which ones are taxable, which ones are not taxable? In other words, which ones do I include in my income and which ones don't I? But also when, right? Is that income inclusion going to fall in my 2020 fiscal year? Is it going to fall in a different fiscal year? So that's a really important thing to consider, right? And you want to do that sooner rather than later because you don't want to face, you know, the deadline, the, the, the filing deadline and be like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Or even the payment deadline, right? The payment deadlines for a lot of businesses happen or they come before the filing deadlines. So if you have, for example, a two-month payment deadline, you want to be able to estimate your taxes owing. So you really need to know, well, how have these subsidies affected my income? And how much tax do I actually owe because of these subsidies? And would you recommend, I mean, we're approaching the year end and it is hard for a lot of us and we're empathetic to a lot of the businesses that are struggling, that are, are trying their best to continue. These programs are of great benefit, but to think about planning for 2021's tax year might be far off here in December, but would you recommend that business owners, small business owners start thinking about what these grants or what the expenses are deductible and what their taxes might be for 2021? Yeah, I mean, I'm an accountant, so I, I think I'd always answer yes, definitely plan ahead. I mean, my wife gets on my case all the time because I'm always thinking too far ahead. And so maybe that's just a problem for accountants. But I think in this case, you, it is something that small business owners want to do or business owners in, in general, no matter what size, they want to do that. Uh, not just because of the reporting, which I mentioned before, but also cash flow, right? You want to figure out, like, if I need to pay more tax than I expected, how does that impact my cash flow? I think there are other considerations that are not just financial reporting, but also tax reporting considerations. There were some changes a few months ago that the CRA introduced to say you need to, when you're completing your T4s for your employees, you need to include the amount of the wage subsidy 
that you received per employee. And so there's additional reporting required on your T4. And other than that, I mean, there, there are other changes as well. The biggest ones that I think has been on a lot of people's minds is, is the home office deduction. We've had this question come up so often. I've had a lot of practitioners at Grand Thorn ask me, like, what's going on with the home office expenses, right? Can we deduct them or what are the rules like? And funnily enough, we got an answer sort of yesterday in the fall economic statement. And so just to give a bit of background, if you're an employee, you may be able to deduct home office expenses, but there are a lot of requirements that are there. One of those requirements is that your employer is required to fill out a form. That form is the T2200, and it basically allows the employee to take certain deductions as a home office expense. There are other requirements that need to be met. For example, you need to use the space exclusively for uh, work purposes for meeting clients, that sort of thing. But if you do get that form from your employer, then you're able to deduct certain costs as home office expenses. Now, there's been an issue, obviously, because of COVID that a lot of people are working from home that usually don't work from home. And so what does this mean? Can these people deduct the home office expenses? Are they entitled to? And also from the employer's perspective, do they need to fill out a T2200? So do they need to fill out a form for each and every employee? I mean, that's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of administrative work that a lot of employers don't necessarily have the capacity to do, especially at a time like now. So there's been a lot of back and forth with CRA, with, with CPA Canada, with other organizations to sort of push the government to say, hey, listen, we need to make this easier for employers and for employees. And so what was announced yesterday was that the government is intending to allow employees that are working from home a deduction of up to $400. Okay, so again, that's a deduction of up to $400 for employees that are working from home provided certain other requirements are met. We don't know what those requirements are yet, but there won't be a need for a form. So there won't be the need for the employer to fill out however many forms, hundreds, thousands of forms for their employees. And the other thing that they mentioned in the fall economic statement was that they're not going to require employees to keep records, which is surprising. Under the regular rules, you'd have to have receipts, right? You'd have to have some sort of support to say, you know, if, if the government comes and audits you, you say, look, I paid this much money, it's here's my, I don't know, rent receipt or whatever utilities receipts that supports my deduction. But now the government's making it a lot easier. And I think it's because they've gotten a lot of pressure from organizations like CPA Canada, but also just generally they kind of realized, look, this is going to be a huge burden for employers. So let's try to make it easier. To your point about uh, planning, I think I'm also uh, a CPA. I don't always do a good job of planning uh, ahead for taxation, but I think you provided a lot of good reasons to do it, cash flow. And you can just imagine that there's, as we approach uh, the taxation season where you have to file and you're thinking about your payments, I mean, that's another stress if you have to do that last minute. And I think there's so many stresses that are going on in people's lives. The more that you can do today to start planning can potentially help with that stress relief from filing your taxes. So we've talked about the home office deduction we talked about the subsidies and government grants, but I just wanted to come back to that one. With the programs that you mentioned, are there any tax consequences that you would have listeners be aware of if they did receive funds from one of these programs? The wage subsidy, the rent subsidy, th- these are taxable amounts. You're essentially receiving government assistance. So these amounts are taxable. And the way it works, essentially, they are going to be taxed at the end of the period for which it applies at the end of the qualifying period. 
So what that means is you may delay filing claims for multiple periods until the very end. But let's say you have a fiscal year ending, a tax year ending somewhere between all those claims. A portion of those claims will have to get included in income in that fiscal year because of the, the way the rules work. So I'll just repeat it. If you are receiving claims over multiple periods, it doesn't matter when you file the claim. The money you receive gets included in your income for tax purposes at the end of that qualifying period. So every four weeks, you have an income inclusion essentially for tax purposes. And so you got to make sure like, you know, where's my year end in all of this? And, and you know, does it straddle this basically, right? Especially now because we're going to be seeing probably a lot of employers are going to be filing additional claims into 2021. So you got to be cognizant of the fact that, well, even if I wait to file all my claims until 2021 for all the periods, the income inclusion is only in 2021. There is going to be an income inclusion in 2020 as well for you. And, and you know, depends on your fiscal year end really. That's a really important point, again, because the tax amount that you might be owing in terms of a cash outflow might be potentially larger than you thought if you're including this on your return. Would that be something to consider as to why you might want to think about that today for your tax owing? So I know this is a podcast, so people can't see me like nodding my head vigorously. But basically, a lot of the things that Garth is saying, I'm just nodding my head vigorously here to say, absolutely, like th- these are the things you need to consider as a small business owner. So on top of, you know, keeping your business afloat and making sure your employees are getting paid and, and have jobs, you also have to consider, you know, your filing requirements at the end of the year. And it may not just be tax filing, it may also be reporting, right? Financial statement reporting. So we talked about the taxable side for programs that you just mentioned. What about any deductibility with programs or, for example, employee costs that were furloughed? Any thoughts there? With the cost of furloughed employees, those are generally costs that are associated with remuneration costs, essentially. And so they would generally be deductible because you're paying them for an employee who's not necessarily working but you're maintaining that relationship. So it, it's still a, a relevant business cost. You just got to, again, you know, it has to be reasonable. So you can't be all of a sudden increasing their salary because they're furloughed or something like that. So there's all the other regular tax considerations that need to be taken with the costs for furloughed employees or for any cost really of a business to make sure, you know, to determine if they're deductible or not. You mentioned this, but I wanted to come back to it with the filing deadlines. So in 2021, Last year, in 2020, the deadlines were were changed. And so right now, we're following the traditional timeline. What are those timelines, just for our listeners? Those timelines haven't changed for 2021, but what are those key dates as they currently are right now? Great point that, yes, these are the dates as of now. We don't know if they're going to change. So this would depend on if you are incorporated or or not. So if you're self-employed, working for yourself as, as an individual, and you're not incorporated, we'll go through those first. So your filing deadline for you and your spouse or common law partner for a self-employed person, again, this is someone who is not incorporated, is going to be June 15th. And their payment deadline, so that's when you actually have to submit the payment of your final taxes owing, would be April 30th of the following year. So Michael, you you discussed filing deadlines for those that are self-employed or employed. What about for corporations? So for corporations, their filing deadlines are a little bit different. Now, it, it depends. It depends. Generally speaking, a corporation is going to have six months after its year end to file a tax return. So a lot of corporations right now, they have a December 31st year end. So we're looking at June 30th, right? June 30th, 2021 as a filing deadline. 
The payment deadline, on the other hand, is different. The payment deadline depends on the type of corporation. It's going to be either two months or three months after the end of the year, after the end of the fiscal year. So again, if we're looking at a December 31st year end, we're looking at February 28th or March 31st. And so, again, generally speaking, if you're a CCPC, a small CCPC that meets certain requirements, you know, your taxable income is below a certain amount, you're eligible for the small business deduction, that sort of thing, then you have three months after the end of the year to make your payment. And if you don't qualify under those parameters, then you have two months after the end of the year to make your final payment. I don't know if I should ask this question, but I will ask this question. I'm looking at these dates that you just mentioned. And I know there hasn't been an extension, and I know this might be a question that we will hold no accountability on. But for someone who might say, okay, if I could push this off knowing that there's an extension, do you expect there to be an extension on these dates? Or what are your thoughts on these dates? Or would you just say, just prepare your taxes as though the dates that we now know are the dates, period? It's funny, Garth. I I was actually wondering, is he going to ask me that question? So I was preparing in my head, what would I say? What would I say? At the end of the day, I I think as an accountant, you should always prepare in advance. Like, I mean, again, my my wife bugs me because I'm sometimes overprepared with things so far in advance. And, you know, she's not like that at all. But in, in this case, we need to go according to those deadlines that are in place right now right? We can't expect the government to extend. We don't know if they're going to extend. So relying on that is is not a good thing to do. It could result, if you have taxes only, it could result in interest penalties. We don't know if the government's going to waive interest or penalties. We really just don't know what they're planning on doing. And what we do know is that they've been spending a lot of money. So they're spending a lot of money. And, you know, are they going to be okay with you deferring the payment that of money that they kind of need right now? I, I don't know if that's the case. I hear you. As someone who works in taxation and we want everyone to follow the deadlines. But again, you've provided those that are not CPAs, that are, you know, don't generally think tax first. A lot of reason to get out in front of this uh, this year to start thinking about the 2021 taxation year. And the last piece to preparing the 2021 year or thinking about 2021 for tax preparation is the preparation of T4s. Is there anything that you would tell our listeners in advance of preparing T4s that might be different or things to keep in mind? Yeah, so with the T4s, I mean, preparing the T4s for your employees, there's nothing really different, right? We still have the same deadlines, the same requirements. I guess the additional requirement I think I mentioned before was that if you did claim the wage subsidies, so the SUs or Qs on certain employees, then you have to report that in the T4. And this is available on the CRA's website. There are specific boxes that need to be filled in with certain amounts. So that is an additional requirement with respect to T4s. So just make sure that you kind of get ahead of that. Make sure that if you are claiming the wage subsidy that you know what those amounts are, you can report accurately. There's a lot of information, a lot of great information Michael is providing. And if there's anything that we're going to reiterate, I think, even as we come into the last questions, is to to plan ahead, I think, for this year, both in applying for programs that you think you qualify for, but also for the 2021 taxation year as an employee, self-employed, or if you're a corporate entity. So a lot of great things uh, that you've talked to us through in terms of insights and things to, to think about. We've been asking this question to all of our guests, and this is the last question for you. What is one thing you would tell small to medium business owners to help them stay positive? You've already mentioned this is a stressful time for so many, 
Like, what would you say to them to help them stay positive during this time? Probably you've got support. You've got someone there to help you. It might be somebody working with you. It might be your accountant. It might be your spouse. Who knows? There's somebody there to help you. There are organizations that are there to help you if you need help from a business perspective. There's organizations for specifically for small businesses, CPA Canada, CPA Ontario, all, all the provincial bodies are, are there to help as well. Again, if you need help from a professional perspective. So I think that's probably the one thing I want to make sure that the small businesses out there know that there's always someone out there to rely on that you can talk to. And I guess if there, if there isn't anybody, then you can call me or you can call us at Grant Thornton. Sorry for the plug. But, you know, reach out to someone. Reach out to someone if you need that help, even if you just want to vent. We can do that too. We can be the, the ear that you vent to. Well, that's really great, Michael. And you've done that today. You've helped uh, a lot of our listeners just understand the programs that are available, the importance of planning ahead for 2021, and that it is a lot to look at in terms of what small businesses might need to do to plan for programs that they want to apply in for the 2021 year. But having a support structure, reaching out to those that can provide guidance, going to resource sites just to understand what you might need to do and getting out in front is really important. So it's absolutely been a a wonderful conversation, really valuable uh, advice and insight, Michael. So we want to thank you for your time today. Thank you, Garth. I really enjoyed my time here. And thanks so much. You're fantastic. Really great advice. So thank you, Michael, for your crash course on what small businesses need to be aware of and prepared for when it's time to file. To our listeners, you can click to resource mentioned in this episode in the description for this podcast in your podcast app. Please note, this is a recorded podcast. The views expressed by our guests are theirs alone. The information presented is as current as of the date of recording. New and changing government restrictions and assistance programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information. Thank you to the amazing producers of Mastering Money, Mike Masood and Catherine Crawford, whose hard work and care behind the scenes makes this podcast possible. This has been another episode of Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, brought to you by Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. Please rate and review us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. In these uncertain times, be well, be kind, be safe. We are on this journey together.